Okay, phew. Okay, chapter 36. <laughs> I almost forgot to record. Here we go. Um, if we go all the way back to before we started to learn Tanya, right? We really didn't know much about ourselves. Okay, we didn't know how the inside of us worked. And, and not only that, we were probably kind of confused and disturbed why at what at some points we can feel spiritual and godly and at other times we're so physical and mundane and the opposite of godly right and it's confusing like how can one person be two opposite things so we started to understand by going back to the beginning by learning right we have um we have we're we have a duality inside of us right we have two souls right and these two souls want opposite things. And by just by understanding and acknowledging that these souls want opposite things is was already such a huge relief, right? Because we're like, oh, it makes sense why we want two opposite things sometimes. It's the way God created us. It's the way he wanted us to be. That was the whole point, right? And then we learned the composition of the soul. Right. And we learned about the soul's modes of expression, right? It's clothing. How does the soul relate to the world? How does it take its, its um, uh, composition? How does it take its 10 attributes and actually use them, right? Through thought, speech, and action, right? That's how we actually access the world, right? And then we learned that there's just like we have duality inside of us, there's duality out in the world right? There's things that are holy and there's things that are unholy. And then there's the things that, which is most of the world that we can elevate or demote depending on what we do with them. Right? So that was the first eight chapters. And we like to call that our, like, um, our ingredients, right? It's like the lingo, the words, the concepts to build on, to understand later and using concepts later. Right? So, and then chapters nine through 15, we, basically um, have this directive to strive to be a Benoni, right? To be this person who has perfect actions, perfect outsides, but not perfect insides, right? That's what our whole goal is, right? Which equals, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like per perfect behavior, Behavioral perfection. That's what the word I was looking for, right? That's our goal. Not to have, to be perfect in our emotions, right? We, we know already that that's kind of out of our reach, but we want to have behavioral perfection. And that's what nine through 15 is about. And we were introduced to our first tool. What was our first tool that we learned that we can use? Moach Shalit Al Halev, right? Which means impulse control right? Our mind rules our heart. That's the first tool we learned to be on this journey towards behavioral perfection. How do you get to behavioral perfection? Impulse control, right? We don't have to do or act on everything that comes to mind or is in our heart, right? We learn to control ourselves, right? We're born with this ability. We are born with this ability to control ourselves. We just have to use it and tap into it, okay? And then after we kind of mastered Remember, the Tanya goes in order of mastery, right? So after we've mastered behavioral control, we realize what happens. We realize that it's very, very hard to constantly act in a perfect way, but our emotions aren't congruent, right? We feel, it's very hard to feel one thing and act another way, right? That's our first tool. That's how we, what we have to master. But once we master that, we sometimes want to feel the joy, right? In celebrating Hashem. We want to want to serve him, right? So how do, what is the tool that we learn to get us there? Meditation. Exactly. What do we meditate on? We meditate on the greatness and the awesomeness of God, which will produce love and fear, which will get our emotions kind of inching towards our actions. Are we ever going to reach perfection in that area? No, but it makes a huge difference to work on it. And just because we know that we're never going to be perfect on it, doesn't give us the excuse to just ignore it, right? You don't say, well, I'm never going to do it well, so why do it at all? 
No, we're responsible to do the best we can, okay? So, uh, so now we have this meditation thing, and the Tanya always comes back to the meditation, even in the later chapters, right? So we were introduced to meditation, we understand what meditation is, but then what's the downside of meditation? It takes a long time, right? It's not a quick fix. Meditation, if you want to create an emotion, you don't sit for 10 minutes and all of a sudden you're creating this amazing, immense love and awesomeness and fear of God, right? It takes time after time after time and practice and practice and practice. What happens if we need it, what happens if we need it right now, right? What was the tool that the Alter Rebbe gave us for an emergency situation? What did he tell us? Each and every single one of us is born with Ahava Mesuteras, right? The latent love that can burst forth and basically equate mitzvah observance with all or nothing, right? Like either we're connected to God or disconnected. So if we view a mitzvah as connection and we view not doing a mitzvah and doing the opposite of what God, what God wants as disconnection and it's life or death, that kicks in and it helps us make the right choices because we realize if we don't make the right choice, we're disconnected and our soul cannot be disconnected from God, right? That doesn't, it, it won't allow it to happen. So that's the emergency tool that we're employing when meditation takes too long, right? And we need, we have, we're in a crisis situation and we need to pull out that latent love to get us to understand that we're either connected or disconnected. And if we want to be connected to Hashem, we need to do what he wants, right? It's all ringing a bell. Okay, so um, this is the first 25 chapters of Tanya. What did we say? That if Tanya ended here, we would have a perfect um, toolbox, right? We'd have a perfect path to being a Benoni, right? Every single thing, like if we follow this plan, we will be, a, we could be a Benoni. But what happens? life happens, right? Life isn't perfect. And we have obstacles, right? And we have challenges and troubles that derail us from our path, make us unhappy so that we can't serve God. So chapter 26 to 34 is troubleshooting all the individual problems, right? And just to name a few, we talked about the physical problems. We talked about the spiritual problems, which come out as guilt, right? We talked about shame, we talked about being distracted during prayer, right? We talked about, um, um, what was the other, other one we talked about? Which, the breaking the... Which Is was it apathy? The, apathy, yes, thank you. Smashing apathy. our soul. Yes, yes. So we, we went and we troubled, we, we went and we um, addressed all the problems that can get us in our way. And what did we say? We say we have to serve Hashem with joy. Why? Why do we have to serve Hashem with joy? Right? Because everything you do with joy, you do better. And if we want to give our best to God, then we, then we better serve Hashem with joy. So these are all the things that take us away from joy. And the altar had an answer to every single problem. We're not going to go into it now because we spent a lot of time. I just want to remind you where, where we are headed, right? Okay, so we, we have all the answers to all our problems. Chapter 35, which I just want to take an intermission from, last time we were learning together was Yud Tes Kislev, right? Um, tonight is Yud Shvat. And the Yud Shvat is the yard side of the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe before this Rebbe, and the day the our Rebbe became Rebbe. So what an honor to be learning Tanya on this day. We have bookended on really holy days. Um, so just a side point. So chapter 35, what was the problem? The problem was a philosophical issue. We got, we went through all the practical problems, right? But now we have a philosophical issue. What's our philosophical issue? What's the point, right? Remember we said, what's the point, right? If I'm never going to be perfect, and I'm never going to be a tzaddik. And I'm never going to have perfect emotional behavior. You give me this like um, uh, second rate service of Hashem, just because I can't do it perfectly. And that doesn't feel good. What's the point of it all? Right. And what did chapter 35 tell us? We gave comfort to the Bainini. What did we say? Don't think this is second class Judaism. Don't think you're doing like second rate Judaism. This is first rate Judaism, because where did we say it's all at? 
action. The effort? Oh. Yes, yes. The effort in our action, right? You can't have action without effort, but, and, and the bottom line is, it's, it's in the action. Why? Why is it in the action? Because the only way to create a dwelling place for God in this world is through doing the physical mitzvahs, which is action. So the tzaddik, the, the proof and the pudding is that tzaddik is, has perfect emotions. He's emotions. He's perfectly in line with God. Is, is he still obligated in the mitzvahs? Why? Why? Because the mitzvahs are, the, are the point. The fact that he has perfect emotions is a bonus. Yay for him. It's easier when you have perfect emotions, right? He gets a bonus. But he's not exempt from doing the work, from doing the actual mitzvahs just because he, he's in, uh, in line with God. So that's how we know that actions are where it's at. Um, and Tommy, wasn't there something also in terms of like the Benoni needs to put forth more effort and like the, the like emotional toil? Yeah. Exactly. Necessary so, is like, yeah. So the question, the point was brought up that there's, remember we learned there's two types of bandy, the one who puts an effort and the one who doesn't, we all know somebody who's just like naturally good, right? They don't have to work so hard. And what does the altar ever say? Also same point, just in, on the level of bandy, good for you, right? It's easier for you. Now you have to push yourself to a place that is uncomfortable for you. So you're putting in effort because effort equals service, right? So it all kind of all ties in together. Now, there's nothing as important as action, right? Um, so that's that's the idea that we calm down the baby with this existential philosophical crisis of, you know, when you question the, 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 the point of your existence, Okay, we've all, I mean, I don't know, I've been there, right? I think a lot of us have been like, what's the point of it all, right? And okay, so this is super powerful. Tanya is saying, okay, what's the point of it all? If you are ever questioning um, why you're in this world and why you're here, you go back to chapter 35 and 36, and it tells us why we're here. Why are we here? Because we're here to create a dwelling place for God. We are here to elevate this world. And if you can meditate on that for a few minutes, it, it will reinvigorate you with your purpose, right? We get lost. We, get we could get depressed. We could be like, nobody needs me. The world doesn't need me. Everybody can, you know, we, we could get to that place. But it's just, it's simply not true, right? If you are here in this world, that means this world needs you or you wouldn't be here, right? And this world needs you because each of us have our own particular service in this global mission. We each have our own personal way to get there, right? And it's all, we're all one family to get this done, right? We're all, it's all interconnected. I digress, all, but I feel God like it's very that, important. Isn't it God that needs us? Yeah, God needs us. He can't be in here. He can't be in this world without us. So there's no room to say. I mean, say, he could, but it wouldn't I'm be very exciting. There's no room right? to say I'm depressed and I uh, nobody needs me and that kind of thing. God needs me. So God yeah, needs you. I have Okay, to. but remember what we said about depression, right? Clinical depression is different from situational depression, right? So sometimes Hashem does create people with, with clinical depression that something in their brain need, needs work and help and effort, and you can't just talk it away, right? That, that's different than situational depression. If you happen to be in a situational depression where you're just down in the dumps and you're feeling negative and bad situationally for a short period of time, do meditating on this will help will help because it's telling you ex it's not rocket science you're not having to create a purpose for yourself it's right here right so um i just it's always important to differentiate because obviously cl clinical depression could be helped and supported but it's not a talk yourself out of it situation right it needs other modes of support so um so why so so this so that was a little bit of a review of chapter 35. What we're going to do here in chapter 36 is we're going to talk, delve into this a little bit more, and we're going to talk about why this is the purpose, 
why is this the purpose of the world, right? Like, and, and get into a little bit more details on this concept of the world was created to affect a dwelling place for God in this physical world, right? And it's in, in Hebrew, it's referred to as dira betachtonin, a home in this world down here, okay? So it's interesting because Chabad Chassidus bases this whole philosophy of dira betachtonim, um, making a dwelling place for God in this world on kind of an obscure medrash, right? So it's not made up. This is not only that Chabad Chassidus believes. This is a general concept, but it's taken from a medrash that's kind of like one medrash says this. It's not like it's proclaimed often and you know, out from the rooftops, right? Like the altar kind of lashed onto this one medrash and ran with it. Okay, so we want to understand why. Like, because there is um, a discussion of many other reasons why this world was created, right? It's not the only reason the world was created. And the Rebbe Rashab has a discourse that goes through all the many different reasons that are cited for the creation of the world, right? And um, and they all are missing one piece. The reason why Chabad Chassid is kind of landed on Dira B'Tachtonim as its main, um, like, um, what's it called? Um, mission statement is because all the other reasons Talk about why Hashem needed to create. Why did Hashem need to create something out of himself? But none of them go to as far as, but why create all the way to the physical world, right? Because we, we've learned enough, Tanya, to know that, right, there are many spiritual planes, right? There's many worlds above this physical world. And they're all creations. They're all creations outside of God right? Or an expression of God. I don't want to say outside of God because nothing's really outside of God, but it's an expression of him, right? So there's many worlds. So, so all these other explanations can, uh, can explain why we need, why God needed creation, but none of them address why we need a creation, a physical creation. Why didn't God stop in one of the spiritual worlds? Why did he continue all the way down to when there was a physical world? And the only explanation that answers that is the explanation of Dira Patachtonim. Okay, so we're going to understand that more, right? So um, each of the uh, um, each of the worlds, right? So we have many levels and tiers. We even spoke about the four main ones that we usually talk about, right? Um, Atzilas, Bria, Yetzira, Asiya. Um, these are all worlds that God created. And each world, what's the wor word we use for world? It's olam, right? Olam comes from the word helem. What does helem mean? Helem means concealment. So what are we saying? That every world is another concealment of God. When a world is created, it's a, a synonymous with that is a concealment that's happening. How cool. It's cool. Um, so... Every, so a world is created, it creates concealment, right? Um, and each concealment builds on the world previously. And, and um, a great way to understand this is you have like a window that's super, super sunny, right? And you put a translucent curtain over the window, right? So you're getting a little bit of a concealment, but the light's still shining through, right? What happens after you put many, many, many translucent curtains? Eventually it becomes opaque, right? So I want you to view each world as a, a, a translucent curtain. And every time another world is created, another translucent curtain is over God's um, shekhinah, his, his, his uh, presence, his, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? So, so we have it's many, light. many... Yeah, many worlds that are like translucent, translucent curtains, by the time we get to the physical world, it's opaque, right? So opaque. This is, 
when it's put, when the altar puts it this way, it's actually like, it, it could blow your mind. Um, it's so opaque that this world, we can actually think that this world is running without a God. How could it, how could it even be that a creation from God is viewed, people can move through this world without um, acknowledging God at all? That's how opaque it is. And only God can create something that denies him. If you think about this for a second, it's like it's like any creation that that denies the person who created it. Like it, it, it's it's a paradox. It doesn't work, but it works because God can do anything, right? And He's infinite. And part of being infinite is being finite and infinite at the same time, and having paradoxical circumstances actually exist. So we have a world that is created from the essence of God. And there's so many concealments that there's actually times where we're totally oblivious to God in this world. And not only are we totally oblivious to him, there are people who deny that this world is, that there is a God. Like, this is why we need to learn Tanya because it breaks it down for us. And it's like, what, what, like, how, how does that happen? Right. So we can we actually sometimes go think that, that this world is operating and functioning on its own. Right. Right. Um, in the spiritual world, there's no such delusion because it's like a beam of light. Right. When you see a beam of light, you know that the source is the sun. Right. So in the spiritual world, when when God is like a beam of light, it's easily traced even though there's concealment happening, it's easily traced back to the sun. But because in this world, sometimes you don't even see the beam of light, right? Sometimes the, the beam of light is even concealed. So we're, it's so opaque, it's so concealed that it, it, it feels like it's operating on its own without God, right? So, um, so the, 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 that circumstance can make you think that there's, there's no creator right? There's no creator. Like, um, like you just like the big bang, right? It just exploded and happened, right? Like, and that happens because of God's intention of how he wanted this world to be. Okay. So going back to, but okay. I, I, any questions? Oh, I forgot. I was so on, on like in my, in like in my, in it that I forgot to like check in and make sure we're okay. Any questions? Uh, anyone on Instagram? I see the comments, so you're welcome to add a question or comment. I will see it. Um, okay, if there's no question so far, you'll interrupt me if there is, right? I can also see, I'm gonna move my, because I can see comments on Zoom as well. So we're good to go. Okay, so going back to the Rashab's discourse, right? Of talking about all the other reasons why God created a world and, or, or created in general. This explains why creation, um, why God needed to keep going and cre create a physical place, okay? Because the only way to explain why Hashem created this extreme descent to the lowest physical world is because he didn't just desire creation, right? He desired specifically the type of, this type of creation and this type of concealment, right? He wanted his home to be in the very place that deny, that could deny his existence, right? But he did it's have a home here, did he not? Did he not have oh, a home here? He did have a home here before, did he not? No, not until when he created this world and then made us to make it happen for him, right? But so, he lived in he lived in Zion in Jerusalem when the Beitanic Tash stood and all that. Jerusalem's part of this physical world. Right. So he lived here before. He lived in this world already. He lives here now. He every right. time but we do a mitzvah, every time we um, um, fulfill God's will. We are creating a home for him. For him. 
I, 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 I know where you're going, right? Because how can there still be so much concealment? Right. Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. So the ultimate, when, when we create the ultimate home from God, how are we going to know when we have accomplished the ultimate home for Hashem? When Mashiach comes. Yes. Yes. So, and the Tana is going to talk about Mashiach more later in a, in, a, in a couple chapters, but just to answer your question, we are constantly creating a home and dwelling place for God on personal levels, on global levels. When it happens as a world, as a whole, Mashiach's going to come. And then we've know, we'll know that we reach the ultimate Dira Betachtonim, the ultimate most comfortable, glorious place for God to exist in this physical world. Okay, so brief answer. We will get to it more, but right? It makes sense just to hold on and yeah, go, go ahead. Um, it, like he gave us the freedom to choose and the power to choose to, to see how he created it. To see what? It's not a given. It's not a given that everyone understands it. It's a, it's a, it's a choice. Like oh, there's 100%. a choice. hundred percent. You have to, it's all starts from the beginning. Remember when we reviewed it all starts with facing the fact and knowing that we have two opposite poles inside of us, deciding which one we're going to let rule our small city, right? Which we go to chapter 10, our small city. Um, and every time, um, we, we make that choice. We're creating a, uh, we're, we're making space for God right? Within us, in our home, in our community, in our world, right? And what we're going to learn later is also how, like, we're going to learn the mechanics of how this works. The time doesn't just be like, okay, this is how it works. Now, trust me. Next chapter, chapter 37, we're going to learn the mechanics on what physically happens in the world when we do these things, okay? So you don't have to go on faith alone, we're going to talk about how this actually works. Okay. So Hashem wanted to create this home in the ultimate paradox, right? The place that actually has the possibility to deny him. That's where he wants to dwell. That's where he wants to be revealed. Okay. So what do we mean by home? When we say create a home for God, what do we mean by that? It means a place that God can be himself. When you say, when you come home, what does it mean when you come home? It means you relax, you kick off your shoes, you change your clothes, you're comfortable, you can lounge on the couch, it doesn't matter what you're wearing or what, you're look, what you look like, right? You're comfortable. Hashem wants to be comfortable here. He wants to be comfortable to be him, right? In all his glory. That's what it means to be home, right? Um, so ultimately the essence of Hashem will be expressed in this physical world, right? And it's not expressed in the spiritual world. Okay, we're going to go back to which was a little bit of a tricky concept. Remember the subjective objective relationship, right? In the spiritual worlds, it's an it's a subjective relationship. The they are basking in God's rays, and they're not really doing anything to make it happen. They're not really doing anything to contribute. They're just like enjoying getting a suntan right? It's a subjective relationship. They are sitting and basking God's presence here in this world. We don't have that ability because we don't even necessarily even see the rays, right? The only ability we have is to become completely subservient to God's will, which makes us a part of him, right? And what, what was the what was the, the parable we used is the chariot, right? The chariot can't go anywhere by itself right? The chariot is subservient to its, to its rider. That's our body, right? That's our, when we choose to, that's this world. When we choose to do a mitzvah, we are be becoming completely subservient to God and case in point, becoming part of him and subservient to him, which it makes it a objective relationship. Okay. So, um, Chapter 36, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, so basically we become a conduit for Hashem's will. And, and what we said before, ultimately, which 
facilitates the coming of Mashiach, right? Um, and becomes the greatest place of God's revelation will be in this physical world when Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be physically apparent that it's godly. Right now, we're still like working on it, right? But when Mashiach comes, God is going to be physically apparent to everybody and everywhere. Will we see That's God? Will we, will we be able to see God like they did back then? Um, like they did back then. Yeah, like I don't Moses like, did, honestly, like, like if you want to ask me like questions on what ha will happen when Mashiach comes, like, I have no idea. You know, <laughs> like, I, it, it kind of freaks me out. Like, I don't know. Um, what I do know is it's going to be good. <laughs> That's what they say, right? It's going to be good. It's going to be godly. We're going to, it's not going to be like hard to choose God, right? We're going to choose God because it's going to be apparently what we want to do. Okay, what that actually manifests, man, how that manifests physically, like I have no idea. Um, okay, so chapter 36 says, um, it's well known, right? It's well known because we've already been through 36 chapters of Tanya, right? It's well known that the purpose of the world's existence is that it, that is that Hashem desired a dwelling place in this lower world, right? So we know this, we know that, the purpose of creation is that Hashem desired a dwelling place, right? So does anyone have a question? Hashem desired a dwelling place. Does that bring anything up for you? Why did he desire it? Right? Why, why is that what God wants? Right? I mean, that crossed my mind a few times. You don't Hashem desired to desire. for God. Okay, so like, okay, so and so what? Like, why did he desire it? Right? Um, I have a chat question. Okay. Um, okay, so the question is, can Hashem really have desires? Um, we're gonna we're gonna go into this a little bit deeper. If you still have that question, which you might, because we're not gonna exactly answer, but if you still have that question after, let me know. Okay, but we're going to go into this concept of desires right now. So let's get there and then we'll see what else we still need to add. So it's the altar of says, it's that's not a fair question. It's not a fair question, right? Because you can't ask a question on a desire. Okay, but you can't ask a question on a desire. What does that mean? It means that it's, it's not, it's not that it's not, um, it's not that it's not a, a, an important question. It's, it's not that it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And it's, it's not that like, oh, don't ask because it's none of your business, right? You know, when like somebody asks you a question, you're like, you may have the answer to it, but like that's overstepping. That's none of your business, right? It's not what we're saying here. We're, what we're saying is that it's really an impossible question because you can't ask, a, a, you don't ask why on somebody's deepest desire. So for example, um, you like, if someone tells you, I really, really, really want ice cream right now. Okay, this is a very mundane example, right? I mean, ice cream. And then you go, well, why? You know, like, well, what do you mean? Why? I just, I just want it. Right. If someone says I need ice cream, right. You can say, well, why do you need it? And then you can refute and argue. And then you can be like, well, it's not really a need. It's a want. Right. But if somebody says I want ice cream, I, I have a pregnant woman says I need ice cream right now. You're going to say why? It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a fair question. It's, it's impossible to answer that question. You know why? Because a desire is someone's essence. If you want to get to know somebody, we've said this before, if you want to get to know somebody, find out what they desire, what they want, right? Don't find out what they know. Don't find out what they do because that's not their essence. Find out what they love. Find out what they want. Then you'll get to know somebody. So you can't, 
ask a question on a desire. It's not a level playing field, right? So back to Manucha's question, can you, can Hashem have desires? Obviously we're comparing these emotional examples to, to physical people because that's how we understand how things work. But obviously this is not an exact correlation of, of how God works, but this is how we're going to get the closest to understanding what it means that God had a desire to dwell here. So there's this famous saying, right? You, you, um, you don't ask questions on a desire, right? Hashem has this deep will and desire that, that he exists here. And you're going to say, well, why? Right? And so that's why when we, when we fulfill his desire, right? And what, what's the, what's the, what did we say is the expression of Hashem's will? Torah, right? Torah is the expression of Hashem's will, right? He basically said, these are the 248 things that I love. And these are the 365 things that I despise. Okay. God's innermost desire. When we learn that, when we delve into that, when we do that, we are getting to know God at his essence and at his core. Because when you want to know something or someone, you get to know what they want. And Hashem tells us what he wants. It's not a mystery, right? We don't have the excuse of saying, well, how do I figure out what he wants? Right? It's not like in a marriage where sometimes you're like, make your, I don't know, I do this all the time. I make my husband like guess what I want, right? And if you can't figure it out, how? How could you, how could he not figure out what I want? Like he should know me, right? God doesn't even do that. He literally spells it out for us. He says, these are the 248 things that I love and I want you to do. These are the th 365 things that I don't want you to do. So please don't do them. And then if you do, if you follow these things, guess what happens? You become a chariot subservient to God's will, which makes space for him to be in this world. And you create a dwelling place for God in this world. Okay. And we don't never question why and how, I mean, we just do it. I mean, there's so many things, we'll so that. many, well, not millions. everybody. We just, there's plenty of people in this world, including me that says, well, I don't want to do that. That doesn't make any sense. But if God said so, well, that's his will. You just right, do but, it. But if you're not accepting that on faith, which takes time, right? It takes time to accept that on faith. If you don't accept that on faith and you're constantly questioning the validity to what God says, then, then you ask why. I mean, I, I mean, there's many things where I've experienced or I have my children tell me, well, why do I have to do that? It makes no sense. Because that's, what, that's because, what he wants. Exactly. Because that's what he wants. But that doesn't work for everybody right away, right? It doesn't. Like you are blessed with this Kabbalah, all this like God said so, so I'm not arguing with it. But not everyone is blessed with that. Some people are, are more combative or wants to know, like things have to make sense, right? Which is fair, which is fair, right? This is why we, we, we learn. If we didn't, if God didn't want us to understand him at all, then we wouldn't be learning, right? We'd just be like, boom, bam, bang. Here's what you do. Don't ask any questions. Judaism is not like that. Judaism doesn't uh, um, stop questions. Order. We welcome the questions because we want to understand as much as we can. But what is my famous thing that I always say here? You're eventually going to hit a wall because God is not completely understandable. So eventually you're gonna have to rely on some faith. Your foundation has to be faith because eventually there's gonna be something that you don't understand. It doesn't mean we don't try to understand. It doesn't mean we don't understand as much as we can because the more we understand, the more it enhances our relationship and the more we wanna do it, right? If you understand why you're doing something, we wanna do it more. It, that's just how God created us. So. So we have to work with this dual kind of relationship with Hashem, right? We ask questions, we push, we demand, we, uh, we understand as much as we can. And at the same time, we understand that there are certain things that God wants that we're never going to understand why. And it's just because he wants it. And you can't ask questions on a desire and it's its most deepest desire. And when we fulfill his most, most deepest desire, we create a home from him. That's when he gets to feel comfortable. 
Okay, so um, now, uh, let's see, any questions while I just quickly look over my notes, please let me know. Okay, so again, just to, reiter to reiterate, why does Hashem desire a world, uh, a dwelling place in this world? We can't know because it's fundamentally unknowable. Okay, fundamentally, we can't understand why this is Hashem's desire. Okay, not because it's beyond our intellect, not because we're not smart enough, right? No matter how smart you are, you're not going to know this answer because it's not subject to intellect. Desire is not subject to intellect. The same way I just explained to you why we don't ask a question on a, a desire that a human has because it's not a it's not an intellectual thing. A need is an intellect. That's why it doesn't say it doesn't say Hashem needs a place in this world because that we could argue on. What do you mean you need it? Why do you need it? Right? That's intellectually arguable. A desire is fundamentally unknowable, so we can't know it, okay? So, the, so God's deepest desire is, his, is his, that his essence be revealed in the darkest place, right? So basically what we're saying is God desired a paradox, right? He wants, he wants two opposite things to coexist, right? And, and, he, and he's going to get it. Right? Like it's gonna happen, right? We're working on it every single day because it's it's possible because God said so. So um, so why is this important for us to know all of this? Okay, because in 35, chapter 35, we have this existential question, right? What's the point? What's the point of all of this all? Right. And we answered the question by saying action is the main thing. Action is the main thing. So don't think your service of God is secondary or second rate, because we said even a tzaddik who has perfect emotions still has to provide his service with action, right? So we know that it's not a second rate service, right? But here we, we just understand a, a step further, right? The only, not only is it like not second rate, but the only way to give God what he wants is through action, not through emotions. Your emotions are great. Your emotions are a bonus, but that's not going to create a dwelling place for God. You can love Hashem within your heart and you can say, I'm connected to God in my own way. But if you're not doing something physical to express that connection, it's all just in here, right? It's not affecting change. Now, emotions are important because they enhance our actions. Why are emotions important? Not for the emotion itself. It's because we are against us in our, in our service of Hashem, right? So if you're just sticking with the emotions and not going the step further, great. I mean, it's great to have those emotions for God, but you're not creating a dwelling place for God with just your emotions, right? So you need actions. And we're, we're gonna, in the next couple, there's a great chapters coming up. We're going to get you know, I, I'm sure you have a lot of questions coming up. I promise you we're going to answer most of them one day. <laughs> yeah. Is davening an action? Yes. Davening is one of the 248 commandments. I was also thinking, okay. Javi, just really quickly, like a metaphor for yeah. the, like when you're like building a home and you like want to create a comfortable space, like it's not enough to just want to create a comfortable space or like be happy that you're creating a comfortable space. Like you actually have to bring right. the sofa into your home to right. make it a comfortable space. You have to space. do, it, it, it just yeah. doesn't stay up in here, right? It, it has to, you have to do something. Physical. Like no matter how beautiful it is in your head, like it's just not. Right. People, Things people that stay in, in our head or in our heart, great, but it's not affecting actual physical change, okay? But davening is so, not really physical, is it? That's why well, I was so We move our mouth and that's why we move our bodies when we daven. Why okay, do we so say, that's... why do we move our bodies? Because we're adding action to the service. Okay. 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 So, um, so the fact you cannot fulfill God's desire through emotions. The fact that you're not a tzaddik, right? And you can't master your emotions 
does not impact your service. I mean, it impacts your service, but it doesn't impact your bottom line of fulfilling God's deepest desire. You can do, okay, this is what we're going to get into in the later chapters, but I just want to bring it up here for a second is you can serve God and do the actions without actually feeling anything. And you will still be creating a dwelling place for God. In the later chapters, we're going to understand what happens when you add emotions to it. Okay, I don't want to give a spoiler alert because that would be sad. I want you coming back. <laughs> so, but we are going to address that. There is purpose to the emotions. There is purpose to intention, right? But you can create a dwelling place for God in this world without intention at all, just by action. How can you do it's the possible. action? How can you do that? But just by action you, without you can, the emotion. Have you ever done something that you didn't really weren't invested in? Right? Like you could do something and say, I don't really want to, or I don't even really believe in it, but I'm doing it anyway. Oh yeah. That still creates a dwelling place for Hashem. Okay. Okay. So um, now let me just one second. So, right. So to the contrary, the fact that we focus on action is not because we're un unable to master our emotions or we have no choice. It's because God's deepest desire is only fulfilled through action. So that's how it actually transpires, right? So the action is what gives Hashem what he wants, okay? And we'll talk about it in chapter, in chapter 37. We're gonna understand the mechanics of what actually happens in this world when we do action. How are we creating the, we said action creates a dwelling place for God, but how, right? That's what we're going to learn in chapter 37. Wow, we have amazing time because I want to do meditation. Um, this is what we're going to do. I want to do a meditation. Um, I just came from a yoga retreat that um, I learned a couple breathing techniques and I want to use them here a little bit. So we're going to do, we're going to play around with that for a minute. And then after the meditation, when we've sat with all this for a few minutes, then we'll have time for some questions if we have. Um, okay, are we ready? Okay, this is, okay, I'm really excited about this because meditation is a lot about breathing as well um, to get us into the space where we're, we're kind of zoned in. So I want to... Um, add a breathing practice to this meditation. We have been doing it, but a little bit more intentional. Um, okay, so this is what we're gonna do. I want you to put your hand, your right hand on your chest, your left hand on your, your thumb in your, I'm gonna stand up actually. Okay, so your thumb in your belly button and your pinky kind of by your pubic bone, okay? So you're feeling your hand is flat on your tummy. Okay, so that's what I want you to do. Now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to inhale from the tip of your nose through your chest. So when you're inhaling, I want you to feel your chest inflate. So your right hand should feel like it's moving. Okay, and so you inhale through the tip of your nose, through your chest, into your belly. Okay, and when you exhale, I want you to start from your belly. So your belly should go out with an exhale. See how you see my stomach moving? Okay, out and then up through and out the tip of your nose. Okay, so I want you to imagine it like a beach ball, right? You're inhaling, your beach ball's inflating, you're exhaling, deflating. It's kind of like a, like a circle. Okay, so we'll try, we'll try a couple breaths. Inhale through the tip of your nose. Feel it through your chest, into your belly. Now exhale through your belly, expand your belly, and up through your chest, out the tip of your nose. Does that make sense? Okay, it takes a little time to get used to, but just so take a minute or two and just 
feel how that feels and play around with that breath. Okay. It's called an intentional, an intentional breath. You're not just breathing. You're intentionally visualizing the tip of your nose. Okay. So your chest should be inflating on the inhale and your belly should be inflating on the exhale. So just focus on that breath for a minute. If your mind wanders, just bring it back to your breath. Feel the movement in your body. Excellent. Okay, so now you can let go of that intentional breath and just imagine a bright light coming into your body and melting away any tension that you have that might be stuck in your shoulders, in your gut, in your head. Kind of just observe and visualize where you're still holding that tension and just visualize it just melting away. Okay, so now that hopefully we're feeling a little bit more relaxed, I'm going to bring your attention to the few things that I want you to bring home with you this week. Number one, action is where it's at. The purpose of this world is to create a dwelling place for Hashem. The only way to do that is through action. It's God's deepest desire to be here in this world, exactly where he's concealed the most, the darkest place. That's where he wants to feel at home. And that's what we get to do. Every single time we do a mitzvah, we are bringing God into this world and we are fulfilling his innermost desires that we do not question because it's not an intellectual thing. It's unknowable, right? So if you ever feel lost, if you ever feel why you don't know why you're here in this world, if you ever feel like there's no point, go and do a mitzvah. Do something godly because that's why we're here. It's like the same concept that they say, like, if you're feeling depressed, go do something kind for somebody else. Same concept, right? We are all here for a purpose. So we wouldn't be here without one. So when we're feeling lost or misguided or distracted, come back to chapter 35 and 36 and it will help you. Okay. Now try to come back to your intentional breath in through the tip of your nose, through your chest, all the way down to your belly, out through your belly, up your chest, and out through the tip of your nose. If it helps you to have a hand on your chest and on your belly, do that. Bring your focus back to your breath. Sit with that intentional breath. Observe how it makes you feel. Take some practice. Okay, start to like wiggle your fingers and your toes just to bring sensation back to your body. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. There's no rush. Just take your time, feel ready. Okay. 
So now that we've sat with some of that stuff, did anything come up for you? It could be a comment, a question, an argument, a challenge, anything's acceptable. Um, now's your time. We have three, guys, we have three minutes left. I rocked the timing. <laughs> okay, anything, anything, anything? Comment, feeling, thought? Okay, um, you know where to find me at this point. You should know where to find me um, if something does come up for you. And otherwise, I will be here next week. I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for your um, patience with my little hiatus. And um, okay, there's a question here. I feel anxious. We anxious with all the anti. You feel anxious with all the anti-Semitism. Okay, um, how do we relax knowing that? That's a good question. I think it is a little bit personal, like how everybody deals with that on a personal level. Um, I do think when we are focused on our service of Hashem and our journey, and we kind of don't worry about what's happening around us, um, that helps. And I can't say like, this is our story, right? We're constantly persecuted for just being Jewish. I'm not saying that no harm will come. And I'm not saying that it's, it'll, it'll um, alleviate any of the actual anti-Semitic actions, but they're going to hate us no matter what. So we might as well do what they're hating us for. We might as well do the thing, right? Like they're going to hate us anyway, whether we practice, whether we don't practice, whether we assimilate, whether we don't assimilate, right? So let's be true to ourselves and let's every day be a little bit more authentic and true to ourselves and, and do something godly. And I think when we immerse ourselves in that, the outside noise becomes a little bit irrelevant. That's my Mommy. feeling and my experience. It might not be that way for you, but that's what I have. Isn't yes. this the time? Isn't this the time to have more faith in God? It's always the time to have faith in God, but, but of especially course, at the time, especially like, when things are tough and hard, then it, 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 it asks us to dig deep, right? We have to dig deeper for our faith. We have to turn on that, um, um, that, um, uh, what's that thing, the generator, right? You have to have that generator backup, right? Because we are going to have times where we're challenged and we're tough and we are going to have to rely on our faith. So I hope that helped a little bit and answered your question a little bit, but I, I do understand and recognize that that might not sit right for you, but that's what I have. Um, anything else? Bobby, yes. Yes. Um, we just had the JLI class on anti-Semitism anti class. Yeah. Right. Was it helpful? Uh, yes. And okay. basically you don't, give them what they're looking for you don't react in anger you right. do like you're saying just do you you don't do fight fire with do. fire right like you can't fight right. fire with fire you have to fight right. fire with water right kindness. so no you have to react with kindness with kindness exactly with kindness yeah. and love and just and just you're gonna you're gonna persecute me for being jewish well i better be jewish I better be Jewish if you're going to persecute me for it. I better do exactly. the thing, right? Because yes. I'm going to be persecuted anyway. Um, yes. That's okay, kind beautiful. Of Thank you for that, Barbara. Um, okay, any other questions before we sign off? Okay, I love you all. See you here next week. And um, have a wonderful week. Um, maybe I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> um, I used to do that in the beginning, remember? Forgot about giving homework. Um, okay, I want everyone to try to do one thing that's godly with the intention of creating a dwelling place for God. So even if this thing doesn't make sense to you or it feels challenging or hard, you can say to yourself, I'm gonna do it because this is what God wants. And when I do this, I make him feel comfortable in this world. Try it once, see what happens, okay? Love you.
Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.